You are now listening to Well, Well, well Phila Now. Like, oh my god, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his pussiness. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? How big were her breasts? <laughs> What's up, what's up, Villanelle's hoes? We are live again from Ronatine. Ronatine quarantine in the aftermath oh. of our motherfucking kids. <laughs> Woo! I mean... Uh, 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 uh. Like, With another Rona diddy, if you can't tell. Right. With another, another Caribbean hit. Keep, keeping it consistent, you know, you know. You this know. one is from the lovely island of St. Vincent. Hey, hey, hey. How are you guys uh, faring? Your winter's over. Your spring is halfway over. April is drawing to a close. We got the moment of the... We got the moment, the moment of, of, of the, the series. Right. We got, well, right. Perhaps that's being it's, I mean, extra. It's, it's, but it's definitely pretty, the moment of the year. The moment of motherfucking 2020 for right. the TV show. Get my Nicki Minaj tongue rolls on. Lord, Lord, Lord. Is everybody okay? I was looking to see how other people were feeling and thinking about what was going on. And it seems like everybody's, um, seems like everybody's picked their corner, more or less. Well, there, far as- yeah, I, unfortunately, there's not a <laughs> unanimous feeling about the joy that we should have all experienced this past Sunday because other people got different opinions. A lot of them are heads. We'll get to that later. I mean, I'm sorry if it wasn't good for you, but... If it wasn't good for you like it was for me, I am so sorry. But sometimes the gays got to win, you know? Sometimes the queers got to win. And boy, fandom, are we winning. How was the rewatch for you guys? Did you guys watch it again and then again and then again? And then uh, again and again and again. Oh, and special shout out to all of our new followers and listeners. We know that some of you have seen our ridiculous reaction on the Twitter, on the intranets. We, After we uploaded it, <laughs> and you guys were like, this is the most ridiculous motherfucking Villeneuve duo we've seen. Or hopefully you felt like had someone lockstep with your ridiculousness, right. with your screaming, with your fervor for the best goddamn sapphic couple and ship on TV right now. Fight me and add someone else because this is not up for discussion. We were over here sending out our firecrackers and then you guys saw our flares. You saw the flares and you made your way over to where the queer content is. Someone with the same vision as you who believed in Villainive and said it and Hashtag screamed it. believe in Villainive. Screamed it from the rooftop. And, Literal and, and if you can check the catalog, this Push has been a ship we've been sailing for years. And uh, literally since the show began. <laughs> and people were like, but is this a queer show? But is it really queer? Well, mean, well, I mean, well, we have answers this week. And I, oh, I'm still not over it, you guys. I am still not over it. I don't think I will be over it until I have another sapphic ship to replace. And, or just, you know, as, as things come, as media continues to right, go on, there will be right. another Portrait of a Lady on Fire. There will be another Orphan Black eventually. And so until that day, until potentially there's a usurping duo of bitches, this is a Villain Eve. Villain right. Eve is everything right now. That's the team we're on. And we'll be here. We'll be here in lockstep with you guys. until right. The way you said that, we'll be here. We'll be here. <laughs> we'll be here. We'll be right here. Right here. Right here. So there's a lot of reactions we saw coming out 
of the aftermath of meetings have biscuits. And as we said earlier, there it's not all a consensus of what people think, some of which we will definitely be getting to amongst our segments today. And then we'll be sure to touch on that and cover maybe some new insights, maybe some new theories that will give us a sense of direction as to where and how long this fire will continue to burn between our lovely leading ladies. Yeah, we're going to add a new segment to musings that is just really to do with what you guys send us questions, queries, theories that we love to talk about and answer. We don't really have a name for it yet outside of uh, Musings 2.0. All that really came to me was like Feral Fan Fridays, and I don't know why. Uh, I like Feral Fan Fridays or as Gayo Cadeo, which is <laughs> male Spanish. Gayo Cadeo. I, I don't know. That's all I had because I was like, Cadeo means like, like a male, like a mailbag. But to make it rhyme, I have to say Gayo. <laughs> Uh, if I had to think of musings where it's yours and not mine, I would. I guess I would call it a using. I guess. Um, <laughs> that sounds like an ex- a sexual exploit, sir. I don't know using. if it sounds like a segment. I mean, it's not a Cleveland steamer. Let's it's just move a on using. from musings to usings. No. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like something that should be on OnlyFans. Well, Shout out to that new track from Beyonce <laughs> and Megan B. Stallion. Right? Shit. And I was like, Beyonce, you out here releasing these tracks when people are supposed to be staying inside for the quarantine and you know that the heat is coming and people are dicks. And so, like we were saying earlier, I'm really concerned for when the heat appears and for the assholes that won't be able to stay inside. Right. It's going to be like 70-something degrees. And then it's like, well, what do you do with all that energy? And they out here shutting on the subway. For the first time in forever, you guys, they are taking the New York City subway offline in the evening to actually disinfect. That's how you know the Rona is serious in these streets. Dirty ass New York City, which I I was about to say, like, what what should I confess to that that can't get me in trouble? Because I was like, remember when I used to throw those parties in those derelict oh, subway see, stations, right. those raves and shit? Mm. And you could, if you if you made it to one of those things before the city started cracking down, you would see, like, the, the collection, the collection of germs that you imagine had been mm-hmm. there from 1947. Mm-hmm. Been built upon in the 70s when the transportation changed over and to today led to growth of new bacteria and viruses. And so the fact that the city's actually shut it down to clean, disinfect overnight, this is what it took, Terrence. This is what it took. We know all kinds of stuff is living down there, mm-hmm. but this is this is what it took. I'm just happy that they're doing it. I mean, let's just, I mean, t- whoever goes down the day after, take pictures, it'll never be that clean again. I feel like, though, it could also be like those people I've seen on TikTok who apparently never clean stuff, and then they start to clean, and then they discover that, like, if you don't clean a thing, like a kitchen thing, a grate for a week, let alone nine months, that when you attend to it, there's some stuff you can't scrape. So right. actually, I feel like the MTA needs to disregard it need to throw away some things scrap. Just, just, just scrap it scrap it and let's start fresh because there's no saving something that's 100 years old in some instances which you guys that is the age of our transportation system a honey a honey years old and that's not they're gonna not have good. like dozens of people down there with sham wows trying to no! do magic i am so <laughs> mad at you but that's what they're gonna be using sham wow this rail and then you know all, all the ass thing on tv let's put this on the rust to get the rust out of the thing and i'm no. like well like I said, I think the rust has ascended or descended, depending on how I look at it, to a new plane of filth in New York City that is um, indescribable. Oof. But if you've ever taken the subway and you've looked into the track, just looked into it, you know what we're talking about. Ooh, especially if there were like grates above wherever the location was, because then you get the 
everything the sewer right, caught from right. the, above. the sewer right the sewer so it's is like, sort of it's like reverse filter yeah it's, yeah yeah so it's mm. Mm-mm. No. Oh. no 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 so with that with our mini update of what's happening in new york city let us uh, transition over to the to correction segment it's the correction segment wow did we totally fuck that up did we I mean, I hope that did. did I think we did. We, yeah. And this is why we have snack episodes. All right, good sir. Would you like to kick it off with one of your corrections? I definitely can do that. All right. So, uh, <laughs> I, for some reason, in the quickness of my haste, I thought that we began this entire getup with Mo and Carolyn in the bathroom. Listen, completely, completely You were just trying to get to your man's. You were just trying I'm, to get to your man's. I mean, um, and his face. You're like, I just want to look at your face, Mo. Mo. Mo and our Mo. moments are fleeting. So we're, I'll get into that in the musings, but I feel like, you know, he's got a clean blood guts out of the back of his car if it's his car he's over it he, even if it's carolyn's car that's not her job that's not her, what bosses do right so, so then he would be forced then he would be over it so right right and then you don't take that kind of trauma with you into the work day the next day and hope that nobody picks up on the fact that you just you know dodged a bullet mm. literally so, literally i mean maybe that's when the dime would get dropped on this is way too far and going into music let me get back to my corrections this, so, how you, this is how you do. This is how you roll. You know, I'm impressed to... that you caught yourself going yeah. off the track and you were like, Terrence, get this train right, back cause... on the track. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> back on the scene. So, Sorry. Like, uh, oh, I was trying to uh, get through your obsessions yes, about Mo, your fixations that, that distracted you. Yeah. And then, you know, Carolyn in, in the bath, I was trying to get. Um, paint a picture of Carolyn recovering or bouncing back from Mm, mm -hmm. her dolefuls from the episode prior where she was essentially a husk without any drop of anything left to offer Eve who was like we need to get this uh Web stick. I called it a web stick oh, again. Listen, this is my correction. You guys know what to fucking it's not do. A web I like. Stick. <laughs> I love it's how a, you're. It's this a is correction drive. inception. You're correcting yourself within the correction U- of the it's corrections. A USB. Uh, USB stick. <laughs> yes, it's a USB, USB stick. It's a USB stick. I'm not a Lord. computer person. Oh, we no. know. <laughs> we know. Giving your latest purchase. Right. That you, you have ghostries about we, that I you're just, not like Candace. What do I do with this Apple MacBook? I don't know what to do. What do I do? Just. It's Mm -hmm. uh, it's terrible. (laughs) So, yeah, I keep calling the web stick a flash drive, and it's not what it is. Those are different things. They have different storage capabilities. Oh, yes, I was trying to describe the composure of Carolyn as more rejuvenated than we've last seen her in the previous episode, because in this bath, she seemed very, like, more herself versus how we last seen her right and even though later on in the episode after she takes another l she's all used up again in a sense but in this one moment (laughs) that that we've seen her used up i mean well i think i would agree with you in the sense that she's at least temporarily reinvigorated with the prospect potentially of getting some justice for her son because eve has acquiesce to be like okay yes yes i will help you with this thing knowing that i'm really sort of the only person that can really help you and would care to the degree or a similar degree to carolyn about what what happened to canny so is that the end? oh yeah that was the <laughs> sorry yeah no <laughs> ultimately was that was the yeah, end that wraps up uh that particular correction okie dokes all right so up next is my correction all right so my correction 
is like a double correction, which is redonkulous, but it's literally the same correction I had last snack about Patty Power, which was the store or business that Constantine was in front of when he ran into Geraldine. And evidently Geraldine was not coming out of an Irish activist club, nor was she coming out of a bookstore, which is why I said the correction. I misinterpreted what Clive said when he sent, oh, a book chain. He meant bookmakers for like betting, for lotto, for, I don't want to say the racetracks because I don't know if they do the racetracks, but I would assume they involve anything that you could bet money on. So maybe horse racing, mm-hmm. actual racing, mm-hmm. sports, whatever. But it's where you go to lose your fucking money. Now, I know people, people totally make money betting and gambling and stuff for the one friend I had that was like a a poker player and he did that professionally. Mm -hmm. But I definitely, I, none of that, none of that came across with the name Patty Power. Zero of it came across. And unless you have stepped foot into Patty Power or have known someone to patronize it, then you probably don't know what it is either. So if anyone was curious or just accepted my ridiculous wrong answer by bookstores, it's not that. It's where you go to gamble and potentially lose your mortgage on a random football game that you definitely should not have been betting on. So do you think that Geraldine was yelling at someone losing all their money inside this? Absolutely not. I would think Geraldine went there to to bet. Like, why else do you go to places where bookies are except to make a bet, except to say, I have an idea that this thing could potentially work out and do it. So that's to me, that's interesting because it's like, well, it's in the UK. Obviously, people who are familiar with these things in the UK would recognize it. So maybe there's some broader reason why Geraldine was there that we've not yet sussed out. Running into someone who stood her up. That was there. I swear, all the fan fiction right for Geraldine don't make any damn sense. I mean... Why would she be going to a date at a place that you place bets? No. That's where you go if you like to gamble. Or catch somebody who likes to gamble. Like, oh, so this is but why who is she catching? Have... For what we know, Geraldine is here to visit Carolyn. Geraldine does not live in this part of London normally. If she did, she might have popped up. She has come to town to take care of her mother, which is why she has no place to go but in Carolyn's face. Because she's not normally there. She's elsewhere. Her friends would be elsewhere. Her life would be elsewhere. She's here staying with her mom. I mean, we could find out otherwise, but that's how I'm reading her actions, that she's not normally here where Carolyn lives and she's elsewhere. Maybe she lives in another country altogether. Maybe she fucking lives in Scotland for all we goddamn know. I don't know. But I definitely don't think that she is normally within driving distance of her mother. So she had to get her numbers fixed. And so that was the closest place she could go and play her numbers. Maybe that's how she's coping with her brother's death. She's Uh, like, I need to go put 80 euros on this horsey. I was trying to think of a horse name, but horse names are so arbitrary that I can't. They're ridiculous. Like one could be. Seabiscuit. Right. (laughs) Seabiscuit. Right. That's all I got. Black Beauty. The Great Disinfectant. Like, whatever it is. You would say some shit like that. That sounds like a Rona horse in in these Rona times. (laughs) I would like to put 300 on the Great Disinfectant, please. It's a beautiful horse. But yeah, that's my my correction. Thank you, Clive, for letting me know. I bet you're still wrong. You're still wrong! That's not what I meant, and I'm sorry. So this is me looking at my notes for another correction, and they all fused together. And then it was going to be the web stick, but I covered it, so I kind of did all of them in a weird order and all together so you don't was, make any I sense know, i know like i veered off so, a track wait so and what then I pulled back so what is these this amalgamation of corrections you said a web stick which go Charisse. you said mo and your fixation might as well be right. going now with eve and what's the third part of this correction uh, i think that's trying what i to clarify carolyn's state mental state of affairs while she was in the bath going over the coroner's report and describing it as not as drained or dry as a husk 
as she was at the end of the previous episode and at the end of the meetings have biscuits episode okay i think i understand that so are you saying you're ready to move on so is that is that oh yeah I, I, I got yeah i got my things out of the the why Cool beans. Well, this second and last correction for me is going to be another article thing that I came across while trolling through the many hot takes, most of which are, well, they leave a lot wanting. For people recapping episode three of Killing Eve, meetings have biscuits. This article comes from Movie News Net, and there was a couple things said in this article that caught my attention in particular that I wanted to discuss really quickly. So the article starts out saying, after two seasons, a stabbing, a shooting, and a lot of coy flirtation, Killing Eve finally gives fans what they've been waiting for. The kiss between Villanelle and Eve arrives unexpectedly in the middle of the episode, doing what the show does best, surprising us. Meetings Have Biscuits begins by testing the absolute limits of viewer acceptance of Villanelle. And that's where I'm already start. Like, oh, it's, hey, but, um, I'm sorry. Literally, literally, Villanelle acceptance? snapped the neck. She snapped the neck of a little baby adolescent little boy who just lost his parents in series two. First episode? Yeah, first episode. So when people say, here is Villanelle taking you through the paces, Candace, I'm like, how is she taking me through the paces? When she threw the ice cream on a little girl in series one, I didn't give a fuck. She did, when right. When she snapped the little boy's neck, I was sad for Gabriel. Gabriel was cute. He seemed to have a good conversation with Villanelle. But at the same time, I wasn't done with her then. So the idea of potentially canceling Villanelle over her dealing with the baby, I, I just, I, I said, that's, <sighs> that's it? That's what puts you over the edge? Villanelle playing with a baby? No, that's not right. But it continues. There is a kind of voyeuristic thrill in watching her murder not-so-nice people, for the most part. We take as much delight as she seems to in knowing there aren't any consequences. This time, there are. Villanelle's murder of a pianist derails into a confrontation with the woman's nanny who's holding her baby. I'm like, I don't know if it derails per se, because that would sort of implies that Villanelle has lost control of a situation, which she never did with the nanny. And it continues that the show plays footsie with the idea Villanelle will kill the baby as she eventually does the nanny. This pushes the character as far as she can go. And at this juncture, two plus seasons in, we discover as depraved as the character is, as psychotic and dangerous as she is, she isn't completely inhuman. So I'm like, uh, she's never been inhuman. She's never been inhuman. She's never been inhuman. I, I think everyone's got this weird, uh, I don't know. Well, he follows it up with a sentence that is truer, though that's certainly going to be in the eye of the beholder. Yes! Yes! Subjective opinions. Continues, Villanelle kidnaps the baby and then has a fairly decent lunch with it and her handler, Dasha, before a peeve Dasha literally throws the baby in the trash. Villanelle laughs through the entire episode, even as stunned passerbys rescue the baby. And I'm like, did we see the rescue of the I baby? I feel like on, there we, was crowding there around There was a crowd, but we did not see a rescue. We just there saw Spaniards rescue. and tourists staring at the baby in the trash. And we were like, won't somebody take the baby out of the trash, please? And so it continues, in human, it's an open question, but the baby does open a door for Villanelle, which carries her on a journey in this episode that the first two didn't quite anticipate. And that's to the show's credit because as good as the show has been this season, there was an air of uncertainty about the direction of the series. There has been a sense that the show was in danger of repeating itself, having exhausted its central core premise. That core premise, will they, won't they, drives much of the intrigue between the assassin Villanelle and her would-be, her would-be, <laughs> I was about to say would-be lover, girl, that's my slip of the tongue, would-be pursuer, Eve Palastri. We've known for a while that Villanelle's interest in Eve is definitely sexual, and as the wedding in the first episode indicated, the show is much more confident in its portrayal of Villanelle as queer. So, boom, 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 boom. Wait a minute. So, no, we've arrived. No, we've arrived. 
to one of my major issues here, which is this whole sentence, which is that somehow this article writer feels that the show only recently has gotten more confident in their portrayal of Villanelle's queerness because she was at a wedding with a wife that she never kissed, never danced with. And I'm sure they had sex, but it certainly wasn't on screen. So I'm right. like, this is, you know, I, I don't know this person's sexuality, but this sounds like a head perspective to be like, Definitely. look at this, this visual representation of a marriage that is completely hollow. It is completely hollow and empty, but this validates Villanelle's queerness versus season one. When she was role playing with a bitch in episode three, I'm going to call you Eve. Really? Constantine walks in on her little sex games later that day. And she's like, oh, hey, Constantine, what you doing here? <laughs> and he's like, bitch, I thought. This is not a vacation time. What are, you, what are you even doing? Why do you have this suitcase of stuff? Are we really going to say Villanelle wasn't queer every single fucking time? The gifts are out there. That she saw a bitch. And just a woman. A woman walking the streets. And she's like, damn. Damn, nice look at that house. Damn, would you look at her? <laughs> wow. Look at those gams. Okay. And we can't forget the gay cannibalism. Thank you. When the whole fucking fandom outside of like us and I guess like who we interact with, we're listeners, we're like, Villanelle's going to kill, kill those them? women. <laughs> she's going to kill them. And I said, she's going to kill them with O's if I had to guess. Is anyone else here? At best, we were like, maybe she'll fuck them, then kill them. And she was like, no, 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 just sex. Is anyone else here? Actually, I know I got this somewhere. Let me see. <laughs> I'm not with them when I'm with them. But it's funny how all of this gay sex does not count as validating queer for Villanelle. What? I don't understand. Anyone else here? Yes. <laughs> I, she said, I, I don't Thank think you. so. For the sex? The sex? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. She's like, yeah, bitch, you welcome. And thank you. Because I had to get some shit off my chest with Eve Pilastri wilding out. So, yeah, I don't, it's, I, that to me was a wild statement because the marriage actually is giving us less queer representation than other situations have because it's just sort of like situational. But we didn't actually get to see Villanelle, you know, express any queer romanticism, period. Outside of her saying how much she loved Maria's shoes when she met her and all her money and her pretty house and her pretty little things. So I just don't know why they would say that. But then also I think I do. So the article continues. With Eve, it's been a different story. Is her interest in Villanelle professional? Personal? Is it Villanelle's unfettered agency that Eve desires or the woman herself? <laughs> Woo! So this is, this is the kind of shit that makes me. That's why I was in the corrections. Because I said, okay, uh, were we the only ones watching the bug sex? Were we the only ones who watched her hop on multiple knobs with Villanelle's inspiration from when she got the damn flowers from Villanelle and she right. hopped on Nico's knob then and we were like, ooh. And they cut away. Thankfully, thankfully, yes. they cut the fuck away. And then, of course, when she used Hugo as a moving dildo while listening to Villanelle do what she was doing, which definitely was not rated G. It was not rated G. What Villanelle was up to and I still maintain at least three hours. I say that's why the mission was all fucked up the next day. They did not get a good night's sleep. That's not even bringing up Hugo's inspired after Smell You I Later. Did. I said Hugo. No, no, oh, oh wait. Hugo was the bug sex. She I, only I, sleeps with Hugo for the bug sex. I meant to say, that's not to bring up Nico's inspired Villanelle in the rain. Ew. I, I, mean, I purposely did not go to Eve on her knees. <laughs> that's true. And okay. I think, again, that they did the hard cut, hard cut from what was going on there. But we just know that whatever Villanelle watched, she's still feeling salty about. Still to this day. And I just, just the fact that she decided to run up on Eve, side note, and throw her in a pressed up position with her elbow in the same way that she told Nico, you should try this with your wife. And she yes. is actually trying it a series later. Uh -huh. I just want to say those are, the, those are the moments I live for. It's like, yeah, series one just coming right back up to greet Oh, no, again. that was series two. That was series two. Uh, uh, Nico series two, but Villanelle series one. Now I'm talking about Villanelle series two because Nico tries to lock her up with his little energy and he pins her up against the wall with his arm 
And Villanelle is like, you should try this with your wife. It's that scene that's on so much of my merch and things that I own. So I'm saying Villanelle tried it with his wife. Oh, I see herself, what you're saying. And she got a kiss. So if there was any kind of confirmation that Eve likes a little, a little pain with her pleasure, a little aggression with her Sappho passion, she got confirmation because she literally told Nico last series, you should try this with your wife. I think she's into it. Then she tried it and Eve got so fucking flustered with Villanelle's proximity of her face that she kissed the bitch. It was like, God damn it. Let me hit you with this headbutt after the fact because this is the way I just lost. The way I just <laughs> lost. Not okay with. I feel like a series before Villanelle hemmed up Eve when she tried to grab for the knife and was like oh you're wearing it and then got physical but confirmation she didn't, hammer up. she didn't hammer up like that because she wasn't pressed against her she had the she knife against her chest against her. Right. she had her knife against her chest she was not like I'm using my physical strength to, to restrict you right. and clearly that's one of Eve's kinks she's like restrict me hold me down but what's funny is that Villanelle's like would you would you hold me down please could you restrict me that's actually what I want right you know I'm always saying that Villanelle is desperate for the power bottom to emerge from her well yeah it is and it already has it already has no bitch that cries that much no bitch that cries that much about her woman is um <laughs> not super soft all right so after that line where it's like what is it that Eve desires and I'm like uh the woman the woman and the murder but definitely Definitely the woman. It continues. Meetings Have Biscuits answers this by doing what it does best, zigging instead of zagging. Last week's episode suggested season three would follow the very successful formula laid out by having two characters down a slow dance around each other before eventually colliding down the road. Here, Villanelle simply walks onto the bus Eve is on in London and the two immediately launch into a raw, violent fight, which leaves them both bruised, bloody, and shockingly hopeful. It's hard to say which is better, the kiss initiated by Eve or the smile on Villanelle's lips after. I will say equal, <laughs> equal <laughs> parts. Equal parts, because they work in tandem. It would be a trap for Eve or the audience to think there is anything redeemable about Villanelle. So I was like, what is what with this writer? What is with this writer? You give me one sentence that I agree with, but then your next sentence is absolute artifice. So what? I'll read that sentence again. It would be a trap for Eve or the audience to think there is anything redeemable about Villanelle. Marinate on that. I'm gonna finish what he's saying. As a scene late in the episode reveals, when the baby she kidnapped and discarded is shown on the news reunited with family, Villanelle doesn't operate like sane, healthy people. She wants the happiness the child so innocently and easily enjoys. And with Eve, she comes close to it. But it's a child's happiness. And that often is ignorant of reality. Villanelle's reality is too horrific for anyone to forget. I'm just like, um, all right. Hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, uh, mm -hmm. These are uh, mm -hmm. these are opinions. They, I'll, I'll no, say they that. Are. They're, they're, uh, they're, uh, mm. So let me. <laughs> I, I'm just like grunting to myself. Okay, for Eve, desperate to find Kenny's killer and her husband Nico, who checked himself out of the mental institution, Villanova represents a distraction at best and an obsession at worst. <laughs> and I say, is this the eleven percent? Is this the eleven oh percent? The 11%. It's like, what were we reading or whatever, where someone was saying they didn't understand why a woman, the Spanish woman, would just marry Villanelle. Right. Like, they didn't understand it with Villanelle being how she was. And I'm like, so, so did Villanelle stop being hot? Did she suddenly stop knowing how to please a bitch? Did she suddenly stop knowing how to flirt? Because I just want to know what happened to the reality that says people make different decisions for O's that they probably should make because the O is so great. And since we've already said that Villanelle's in 110th percentile right. of orgasm achievement, we don't don't need any reason but that for why Maria was ready to put a ring on it. Right. Okay. And did. And did. And it's probably wherever she is right now, just hoping Villanelle returns. Like, bitch, uh -huh. it's been weeks. And <laughs> I know you do this, but girl, can we um, please return? Baby, come back. <laughs> you can put it on, on me. me. <laughs> 
Exactly. Okay, so so it continues. But now with her marriage in ruins, her career, her life, there is nothing left to disguise the truth. She desires Villanelle. Where this goes for both characters presents a lot of fascinating opportunities. If the show continues to avoid the obvious and challenges itself to act as unexpectedly as its characters. The kiss, forever shall it be known as, overshadows quite a bit in the episode, but the investigation into Kenny's death continues. Between Carolyn, her attache, and the crew at the Bitter Pill, the off-the-books investigation turns up a mysterious bank account Kenny was monitoring. It appears to have connections to the 12, and sure enough, we learn right away that it does. Constantine pays a visit to Kruger, administrator of the account, which is missing over 6 million euros. At the end of the episode, Villanelle surprises Constantine in his bed in one of her signature goofy moments, and it's here the threat of the baby really pays off. Villanelle's a child through and through, mm. but she doesn't see herself that way. She wonders with Constantine if she was cute as a baby, evidently not, and then pivots suddenly into wanting to find her family back in Russia. If Villanelle is going to grow, it will have to come with some looking back and likely with some pain. She will need to leave behind the obvious parental figure in Constantine, which doesn't bode well for him. But that's if she can grow. Meetings have biscuits, bristles, with the possibility that she can, even as her depraved indifference reaches new lows. Where did it reach new lows? The baby so shit was adorable. I don't... Depraved indifference. Anyway, is there anything or anyone for Eve to love? <laughs> is Villanelle simply a heartless murderer obsessed with clothes and money? Will her desire for happiness and humanity actually corrupt Eve in the long run? And the two exchange places. And that is the end. And they have parting shots. Along with the ghost, Villanelle doesn't seem to like stuffed animals, which I would counter. I don't know that that's true. I don't think she likes too many children in one place. Thank you. And anyone who's been in like a Chuck E. Cheese or like we said, that Toys R Us in Times Square, where at any given moment there was like 1,500 children just screaming at a level. It could, it's, it could it's, do something. It's pandemic it's, It can do worthy. something. It's, yeah. Oh, that was the absolute best fare any of those bus passengers ever paid for. Yes. World star. <laughs> Sappho world star. Callan does her best thinking in the bath, which raises some questions about the decorum of some meetings of MI6. Kenny hid the logic of his investigation in the Rubik's Cube. Oh, and they have the final one. Villanelle really, really wants people to smell her. I would say Villanelle really, really wants to give off a certain vibe Thank that you. is connected to her smell. But I don't know that she gives a shit about everybody smelling her, specifically people she's trying to show power to and preen the way she does. So just to touch back on those specific lines, I guess the whole idea, because I thought we were past it, but we're never really past the people who are like, Villanelle has no feelings. Villanelle's inhuman. Villanelle's a monster. What is there for Eve to love? And I'm like, have y'all been paying the fuck attention? Firstly, there was Villanelle in Amsterdam. And you can't tell me somebody with no feelings acts like that because you need feelings. But to even act before like we get that. to Amsterdam, I right. would go to when she was with Frank and Nadia. She was showing feelings on the road when Eve was like, hold up, um, hey. And Villanelle was like, no, 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 no. I don't, what is this? What is this? You're coming towards me and shit, <laughs> looking hot and shit. No, 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 bitch, I gotta go. And then let me try to come back on my own terms. So from there, from there. And technically, we know from Villanelle, I feel things when I'm with you. That was episode one, scene one with the two of them. She looked at her and she was like, I feel things. What the right. fuck? Can and I, killed four can people because you? of it. Right. <laughs> so Villanelle has been feeling things in relation to Eve from the, literally the first moment she set eyes on her, which is why I say they're in some other realm of connection and discovery that isn't just reliant on the same, on the typical superficial reasons people become friends or date or attracted to each other. It's like, it's in the intangible realm, <laughs> the fourth dimension. So that's my main correction, really, is that, of course, there are redeemable traits in Villanelle. I mean, for one, she's a misandrist, and it's one of the best traits a girl can have is being a misandrist. And secondly, she's queer. And there are so many redeemable things related just to those two things. But ultimately, this ties into my own personal theory about Villanelle, and we'll see how the show 
works it out. But Villanelle to me is like a, a one person pit bull. I don't know if you've ever known a dog like that. It doesn't have to be pit bull. But a dog that is right. a one person one dog. One owner, right. But not just one owner, one human. So there are some dogs like that that they do not socialize well with other humans because they can be very jealous and just, you know, perhaps past trauma or whatever. And some dogs can be the opposite where they can't socialize with other dogs, but they love to be around humans. So I had a friend who actually had a dog just like this that was big, muscly dog, but just was not good with anyone but him in terms of, and it was a rescue. And so it was just sort of like, okay, you know that where he's like, Hey man, cause we would hang out and he'd be like, Oh yeah, but I gotta leave my dog over here because you know, she's, she's, Literally, she's only here for me and for no one else. And so mm. I avoid bringing her into spaces where she's going to have a fucking problem. This is how I see Villanelle, is that she is this type of one-person pitbull. That there are redeemable qualities, that you do find loyalty and care and concern and love. But it's going to be when she finds the one probably just one individual <laughs> on the whole entire planet that gets this reprieve, but no one else does. And have you ever seen the show, The Expanse? No, you were t I think you were telling me about The Expanse or... A lot of people have been telling me about it to watch it because of how I love sci-fi. And I was just like, I don't know, because I think I'd seen a preview and I was like, I don't know. Look at all these dudes. But when I finally watched it on one boring day, where I was like, oh, let me see what's going on. I had it in the background. It started to catch my attention and wrote me in the more lady characters revealed their arcs and stuff. And in particular, there's a character, I'm referencing this show because there's a character in there that reminds me a lot of Villanelle. She became very quickly a fave. And as you might imagine, she's exceptionally violent, okay. which is usually one of my, my things. And it's the character, if anyone is familiar with The Expanse, maybe you know. But the character's name is Kamina, drummer, played by Kara G. And what I love about her is that she is, piranha is not the word I'd use, but she is dangerous. She isn't nice. She isn't polite. She doesn't have time for other people. She basically has this one person, which I would prefer to be a woman. And it kind of shifts to a woman because of the storyline. But initially, it's a guy who's like a captain. And she's the second in command. And she's like, literally, I will do anything. I will murder anyone. And there's nothing that will ever sway what this loyalty fucking is. And so to me, that's a villanelle where it's, she's dangerous. She's rude. And she's mean to most people except, except potentially one person. And that one person is Eve. And it seems like half these hot takes mm. out here are forgetting the fact that villanelle has the capacity to care. It's just not for everybody. It literally seems to be stopping at one person with the slight exception for Constantine, depending. And so if anyone wants to check out the Expanse and look at Kamina or some of her scenes online, you'll see that she is a, she has Yara energy because she's been in battle. She's been through a lot of things. She has some fucking scars and she's not afraid to take a fucking life. And eventually her fealty kind of switches to a woman in the show, character Naomi, Nagata. And they don't get together, but in my mind they should. And there's a, just as a side note, just as a side note, I'm like, where's my, my queer space opera? Where is right. it? Because every time someone shows me people in space and they're still like binary with the sexualities and the genders, I'm like, how is this? We're in how is space. This so limited? We are right. in the outer fucking space. And still you're going to convince me that all these different species and people and society are still so fucking binary. No, I reject it. I reject it. Agreed. But yeah, if anyone out there has seen any episodes of The Expanse and you have opinions on Kamina and her characterization and how it relates to Villanelle, please hit me up because I would like to talk about it. I would. And you know who else is on this show? Sheree Agdoslu from The Punisher. Yes. Well, One of my mom. favorite MILFs. It's so... <laughs> Respect, all respect to Miss mm -hmm. Sheree. <laughs> I'm just saying. She serves so much misandry energy in whatever role she is. As you know from The Punisher, she's in this show. And I already told you, she's enough of a reason to watch it because she is bossing men and doing what I like to see her do. So, yeah, that's my mini plug for the expands for the women. 
for the women. And anytime there's a strong woman who also can take a life, Candace, Candace will be there to watch the content. All right. Uh, so that looks like that will wrap up the correction segment for us. We'll just mosey our way over to Revelations. Killing Eve, Revelations. <laughs> Yo, did that really just fucking happen? I'm dead. All right, so the first revelation I see is an article that popped up on, uh, was this Express.co, which was uh, Kim Botnia's interview where <laughs> they have a weird trailer for it where it's like, Killing Eve, I didn't enjoy it. Constantine Star speaks on Dangerous Villanelle scene, which is a weird way to put a title of an article. It almost reads like a, a one of our like gossip mags, which is, you know, really peculiar like no real name is that a uk yeah it's a metro.co are they kind of a gossip rag though a little bit i feel like but that's i mean maybe all the shade should go to british media considering what they be doing over there <laughs> with people but yeah that sounds a little gossipy where it's just basically uh teasing a scene that has not aired yet uh in killing eve where cambodia does share a scene with oh yeah one of our Jordan later Cover. revelations oh yeah of the sneak peek oh so they kind of tied together so that's good and uh let's see uh villanelle isn't happy with constantine for portraying her in season two but with the pair almost like family and caught up with the 12 they can't escape one another so i guess they were just trying to describe the bond that the two of them have um, speaking about the same actor, Kim revealed he didn't enjoy it as he would teased more trouble with Villanelle. In the scene, we need a safe place to talk with nobody listening, he explained. Uh, it was a feeling of safety together with unsafeness. Mm. It was brilliant and it gives the scene a very good energy. So now I'm very curious about whatever this scene is. Well, uh, we've already seen parts of it. He says, I didn't enjoy the view. I could definitely say that, but I love the fact that the writer took the elements and put us up there in the air with a view of Barcelona all around us. Constantine is currently trying to get his life and business back on track as he remains stuck in London on the orders of the Twelve. Uh, he's fighting to survive and stay relevant as Villanelle tries to become a handler herself and lose his control. So um, she's the, the official title appointed for the role she wants is Keeper. Mm -hmm. which is above the station of uh, Constantine. So uh, more or less, they stare on the mark. Uh, when you look into this universe of people that are strong and surviving, it is always fun to see them struggling with it because it is a fight, Kim remarked. Uh, we always believe it is very easy to do what they do and to be a person like that, but it is a very hard world. Uh, you have to face yourself in the mirror, look in your own eyes and be aware of what is going on to survive. As an actor, it's fun to go in there to see what is actually going on in his mind and to ask the question about how to get back on track again. That's what it's all about. And that's what we wanted to show in this season. So that mm. could look into um, maybe more daring uh, or compromising situations for Kimbonia's character, Constantine, which is more than just whatever this was where he's like, I didn't like it. Why well, assume it's just being up in the, in the cable car? And seeing as how there's at least two to three horror films in which you get stuck in those cars and then you teeter-teeter until you fall the fuck out or have to jump and then break yourself, break your legs. I know the American version, oh, spoilers, if no one saw these films, of which I can't remember the name. But one, the American one, 
something, a, a horrible idea that one of the people gets is to like jump out of the cable car into the snow. And of oh, course, of course, that. of they course do. you break something and then the wolves are there and then they, they eat the dude down there and his girlfriend and the friend got to watch like, no! And of course I was laughing because I was like, you should have known, bro, right. that if you were going to jump out, at least try to jump into a ball. Don't land on your fucking legs and then be like, did my, did my shin just go through my thigh? Oh, oh, that, that's not what I wanted. If anyone's so. ever going to jump out of one of those uh, now that I'm thinking of it, those kind of uh, uh, I was about to call it a you know just something a lodge lift, the lift that gets you to the top of the mountain so that you don't have to trudge your way up, so that you can ski down. For them to jump off, you had to be so impatient to want to go down the slope, and it's not even the full slope. And sometimes you fuck it up. Like one of my first times on those things when I was younger, I you know how sometimes you like where you jump off the lift is like where you go down. Yes. And so if you don't jump off soon enough, you could get to the more the advanced yes. space. Yeah, so that's what happens to me. That's what happened to me is that I had a freak out and I didn't jump off when I was supposed to for the beginners course. And I jumped off for the advanced terrosa. And oh, as no. you might imagine, it was a lot of screaming. And I was just like, bitch, uh, bend your knees, uh, put the poles up like a seat and hope you don't hit a tree. I did, however, hit a fence. I was stopped a by fence a fence. It's not a tree. So congratulations. Small, small, small wins, you know. <laughs> I took an L that day, but not the biggest L. I would have screamed, so. and then I would have thought to myself, screaming downhill causes avalanches, and then I would have been too scared to scream. So uh, I, I, yeah, I didn't have any <laughs> self-control over that. And people, I passed people, and people passed me, and all they saw <laughs> as I was trying to figure out what the fuck was happening in my life. Do so. an X. No, don't do an X. Does an X work? It doesn't really work. I don't know. It, it looks like it's Lord. supposed to work, but when you're already slow, an X works when you're barreling down you are you going to try to trip over yourself because then that's when you roll and rolling down is scarier than just going straight down so just wow just yeah. anything downhill can really fuck you up like if I, you're on a bike you know you ever be like oh this is a little steep or a skateboard right. or literally anything with wheels and i hate to say this happened to me on all things because i like to do i mean sports that's i why not and so i've had a number of situations where you're like no this is i started this with a good idea and as right. i'm mm -hmm. in process mm -hmm. i could die and my mom would be really mad if i die this way i'm downhill <laughs> but my brakes are on the toes so let me if it's oh, snow, I'm just going to oh, lean dear. back. Let me just lean back. <laughs> lean like back. that, Joe, right? Lean, lean back. back. And then, you know, I'll take a scrape on my back. I'll take a scrape on my butt, whatever. But I can't, I can't know. Let me just, I'll rattle. It's better to lean back than to lean forward right, because right. of your face. Right, right. See? It's, <laughs> right. I'm just, that's why I'm just going to lean back. That's Wow. Oof. All right. So I guess we're on to one of my revelations. Okay. So this next revelation of mine is pretty simple and maybe it's not even a revelation to most of y'all but might be to some of you guys that the director for episode three of series three of killing eve was directed by a woman a woman who goes by the name of miranda miranda bowen who was also the director for episode four which I'm excited to see because I so enjoyed her take on what she did in this past episode. I mean, just the fact that she actually got me to doubt that Carolyn was going to live when I was already 600% right. positive that Fiona Shaw wasn't going anywhere. And still, in that moment, I was like, <gasps> okay, you got, me in the, you got me in the first half, Miranda. I'm not going to lie. You got me with lie. your shots, bitch. And I love that on Twitter. And this is kind of a mini spotted on, but it's the same thing which was just her, so I'm sure some of you guys have seen a photo circulating around of her on the bus directing Jody and Sandra <laughs> in the scene. And they're looking intently like, yeah, give me the artistic direction. And she's just got the biggest smile on her face. 
And I was like, let her be walking with misandry and the woman gaze. Because we are always so subjected to the male gaze. I mean, we have gone on in our postseason snacks from last year about the male gaze and how fucking annoying it is. And so just to know that this extraordinary episode was not only written and handled by women behind the scenes creative part, but also in front of the camera creative part. And not only that, but she looked ecstatic to be working on Killing Eve as any as any woman should and would. Um, so that's that's really it for my revelation here was rise, women directors. Rise! <laughs> rise, women directors! Agreed. Rise! rise! And create as many sapphic scenes as you, as you dare wish. Please. Be like Rachel Wise in this part of her career, this act, where she's like, you know what I love? Lady-loving stories. The queer <laughs> stories. That's what I love. Because the women are fully formed, well-rounded figures. But yeah, so that was it. That was a little mini revelation. That was mostly just like, hey, man, women, full stop period. Women. <laughs> I mean, ladies loving ladies. I mean, it'll never go out of style. So if you're just looking for something that doesn't feel stale as a medium, then don't be afraid to dig in. This next revelation is from Good Housekeeping. It's a Fiona Shaw article. It just exclaims on the power of the show and why she'll never retire. So you know what? You can't keep a good dame down. Can't keep a good woman <laughs> down. Especially not one as talented and wonderful and intelligent as the lovely Fiona Shaw. Out of the gate, this uh, interview, it just res me up in a very good way. She says, I feel I've waited all my life for Killing Eve. Ooh! Why weren't they making series about this sort of stuff 20 years ago when I was in my late 30s? That's and I'm like, what See? I'm saying. This questions that need answers. These are the questions that need answers. I would have enjoyed them. Yes, we know. Right. So would we so would we have. Um, yeah, literally all I had was Xena. <laughs> she said they weren't making TV like Killing Eve. They weren't. There was a feeling you had to have the male storyteller and that the woman was always an addendum or mm-hmm. going right back yes. to Shakespeare, yes. always resolving her story in a domestic happiness. Domesticity. Lord. Uh, I went to I went into the theater largely because there was nothing on television of any interest at all. So we almost we almost would have never got Fiona Shaw because of the lack of creative characters for females to play on screen. You mean like real actual characters <laughs> like, are like just spoils for the men, right. uh-huh. plot points for the men to do and discover? Yes, yes. Lord. Women are often portrayed as virtuous, so it's wonderful to not always be good. I think Killing Eve has changed the landscape and the game. I love it. She continues, I don't think I want to stop. I also direct operas and they're huge things to do. <laughs> okay. Sorry. When you, Sorry. Just when you think Candace. that she can't get any Candace. cooler. Just when Candace. you think get that your shit together. Cooler. All I'm going to say is, oh, Lord, I'm about to, you know what? I'm going to just put it out there because it's good to speak things into the universe. You already know that I have a thing about going to the opera mm. with a lady that you, um, yes. So now on my bucket list is to go to an opera to engage in sapphic criminality for an opera directed Aww. by Fiona Shaw. See, I know, yes. right? See, you see the, you see the sweetness right. in it. Yes. Somebody else might be like, Candace, that's vulgar. But you get it. No, I, you get I it. do. Thank you. Appreciate that. Over here directed operas. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> can we just pause? Can we can we just pause? Because it's one thing to direct, and there's a lot of things to direct, but to be capable and to have the skills necessary to direct an opera and to do it well, my God. I just want to say I continue to stand for the lovely Fiona Shaw. Really just <sighs> Okay, I'm done. Sorry. She says it's like jumping out of an airplane. Sometimes there's a parachute, but you're not sure you have one on. Uh, I've always chased the challenge of the 
I've always chased the challenge of the thing that's slightly out of reach. So I will always work, whether it's acting or writing, because I find it very necessary. I don't think I could stop, she says. <laughs> While she's incredibly passionate about her work, her marriage to Dr. Sonali Deraniagala. Wait, oh, Deraniagala. That last go. name probably had a gaucherie or two. Yagala. Yes. Her wifey. Her wifey. Uh, has given her a vital perspective. And I did remember reading up on this. Let me refresh. Here she is. I'm married to a very unusual person, but maybe it took a very unusual person to be willing to marry me. Sonali's children, parents, and husband were all killed in the Indian Ocean tsunami of 2004. Oof. And I'm very cognizant of that. Its sorrow doesn't dominate our life, but it definitely defines it. It isn't all just going to opening nights and filming. There's a real sense of how near death is to the person I live with. Oh, that's deep. I understand the value of things by being with Sonali. She lives knowing that at any moment the world could end because she lost her world. It has brought me into land, I suppose, about a lot of things. A lack of arbitrariness about life. So, Was there anything to potentially give clues as to who chose the Dido and Aeneas opera? Because, you know, I'm still on my, it was Fiona Shaw, until someone tells me. You know what? Since they couldn't credit. (laughs) Right. I'm I'm still going with that. That's interesting what she says, too, because that's, I mean, that's certainly a thing. If you've had a a deeply profound, earth-shattering loss, it it changes your perspective. I mean, that's kind of what I was saying about Eve with her near-death experience and how because she's so still, I mean, up until recently, unwilling to fully embrace and acknowledge her sapphic issues and urges and wants and desires, that she's had the opposite reaction of what a near-death experience might do, which is makes you keenly aware that life is short and that it can change in a moment. And even as we were living in these Rona times, like I've said more than once, it reminds me of 9-11 because I was so young then and it literally was a, a phase of my life that was starting from adolescence and you're going to adulthood and just in a in a day you're like oh everything's different my neighborhood's different my life prospects are different the economy's different like just everything is different and it sucks to be going through it again within my lifetime where i'm just like really really Ugh. anyways i just feel like i mean i say this all the time but i just feel like it would be really cool to have a a conversation with fiona shaw oh yes just like run into her and speak can we just we just talk or is that weird i'm sorry i'm sorry i'll I'll go you're great on killing eve love you on killing eve but all right that was a wonderful article and every time we get one of fiona shaw's articles it's always there's always just some lovely nuggets in there right she's either just just left the museum (laughs) (laughs) literally literally god I just, I'm not over the fact that she directs operas. I'm still right? marinating on that. Like, I'm just like, these Killing Eve hosts. She said, out here directing plays, writing plays, acting in plays, directing operas. She said, I have yeah. hobbies. When have your faves? We see, we, we see, see your hobbies. We see your hobbies, we see ma'am. Them. Ma'am, we see them and we are impressed. All right, so this next revelation. For me, it's not really a revelation. <laughs> Truly, but kinda. And it's, oh my gosh, some, uh, some hats out there are confused. Some people who have watched Killing Eve episode three, Meetings Have Biscuits, are very confused. And there's all kinds of articles, some in this episode up as bad to mediocre, which really surprised me. Averaging scores that would be like a three out of five stars or B, B minus, B plus. Just like in there, which is why I say mediocre, because it's average, but just below. Right? Because is B, is B average or below average? I don't actually know. Uh, It depends on how 
high achieving you are. Right. <laughs> right. Because oh, no, right. It depends on your parents. Right. Right. Anything under an A or an, even an A minus. What's the minus about? Why is there that's a minus? The, that's right. the immigrant household. That was okay. my mama. She See? was like, this is unacceptable. We don't do bees in this house. But yes. Okay. So that being said, from these articles ranging from Vulture to EW that essentially are like, oh, you know, this episode was kind of mediocre to making references to terms like, quote unquote, frenemies. And a, a, <laughs> no, I know. I know. Frenemies. Frenemies. It makes no sense. And so I'm just going to highlight this really quickly. And this was from Cultures. <laughs> Cultures.com. And the title of this article was Meetings Have Biscuits Exposes the Major Flaw in Killing Eve Season 3. Now, before I get into this, could you imagine what flaw they could be talking about? I'm curious. And I hope it's not what well, I think it is. Take a guess. I think they're talking about the smooch. Uh, well, I would say it's around the smooch, but yes. Okay, so here's how it starts. And actually, I'll see what you think about this because I feel like as I'm starting to understand these article writers, who majority of them are not queer, I think I may be getting a better handle on what the discussion is around Eve and how it is perhaps inaccurate. So the subtitle for this article says, As Killing Eve Season 3 Continues, it's becoming increasingly obvious that the show is largely ignoring Eve's perspective in the story at its own peril. So that is the revelation of what the Het's thinking. I've said a number of times now that I had concerns based on what people were writing and just like wanting Sandra Oh to get all the things because she's such a great thespian. But now I'm starting to wonder if this isn't a byproduct of the Het blind spot. Which is to say that some people watching the show, not all, but some people seem to miss a huge section of the queer that's happening there. And so if you're missing that, if you're missing the queer, you have to be invariably missing some of the motivation for the characters if you can't see it. So the article says, as Killing Eve season three continues, the show runs square into a problem that it's going to have to deal with sooner or later. And that's that it doesn't appear to know precisely what to do with Eve, or rather how to explain to us as viewers what it's trying to do with Eve. So that whole sentence is very specific because we have very specific ideas of what we think the show is trying to do and what we hope they're trying to do. Hashtag Dark Eve Rising. But the perspective of this person is like, you don't know what to do with Eve. Now, while we see Sappho continuing to rise and express herself through Eve, other people are like, Eve is lost. What's up with her? Why is she? What's, what's going on in the show? I, th- <laughs> I have hope that this has more to do with the fact that they couldn't find enough promo things with her in it versus them trying to say the show was doing a weird thing and I don't get these scenes that Sandra Oh is in where she's all not 100% and she's looking all banged up and not looking that interesting because they don't get the, the breakdown of, you know, Eve's confidence from after getting shot when she thought she was untouchable, I guess. I don't know why. I don't know why well, she thought that. Well, yeah. Okay. So let me read this and then you will see. Um, okay. Meetings Have Biscuits brings Eve and Villanelle face to face once more for the first time since Villanelle left her for dead in Rome and since Eve somehow recovered from that same gunshot wound. The initial confrontation is so out of the blue, it almost feels as though it's meant to be a dream sequence until we realize that it is, in fact, very, very real. Technically, Villanelle is in London on another top priority mission for the 12, sent to take out an accountant that might spill some of their financial secrets to Carolyn. But of course, she fits in a detour to see Eve because she's Villanelle and she's only just discovered her lady crush is alive. It's easy to understand why Villanelle would stalk Eve and send her teddy bears with a pre-recorded message hidden inside. She's a psychopath and she's obsessed. <sighs> There's that word again. Again, it's, it's the simplification of such a wonderfully complicated character that drives me nuts. Okay, and it continues, heck, she still doesn't entirely understand what drove Eve to turn down her offer to run away with her last season. 
Of course, if Eve's still alive, Villanelle is still interested. The real question, however, that Killing Eve should be asking is, why on earth is Eve? Because Villanelle... Don't answer the head's question until I finish the part. <laughs> we already know why. Um, but yes, okay. So the woman almost died. <laughs> Sorry. The woman almost died thanks to Villanelle. Several of her friends have died because of her. Her marriage fell apart because of her. She knows Villanelle is dangerous, unstable, and a threat. Yet Eve can't let go. <laughs> okay. She can't let go. She can't let go. She can't. Um, but for some reason, Killing Eve seems deeply uninterested in exploring why. Whoa! Whoa! What show Whoa! are you watching? Whoa! Whoa! What? What show really? are you watching? I'm just what? very lost. The show is deeply uninterested in showing why Eve is into Villanelle. Really? Because I thought that was kind of the whole thing. That's I thought that was kind of the whole, the whole point. The whole thing of the thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's not done. It's not done. They got a couple more. Mm. More than a couple paragraphs. The male paragraphs. gaze is a hell of a drug. It's a hell of a drug. So it continues. Instead, it's just sort of presented as a fact, an obsession that's presented as inevitable as Villanelle's is. Even though ostensibly Eve should know better and viewers deserve at least the barest wisp of a rationale for her behavior beyond sexual tension, which seems to be what the show is going on with at the moment. Now, I just... There's a lot see, of assuming. I was trying to finish the article. I was trying to finish the article, but it's made me upset all over again because I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, baby, hold up. First, let's just keep it real simple. Is sexual tension not something that can completely consume your life? Are we suddenly in a reality where sexual tension cannot just drown you entirely? We've had many jokes and things on the Gentleman Jack Crack podcast about um, youthful indiscretions. Oh, when right. you, the O is what's primary, not your job, not your school, not your whatever. How do we, how do we get here? Terrence, how do we get here? Because they say that the viewers deserve at least the barest wisp of a rationale for her behavior beyond sexual tension. I'm sorry. Sometimes... Have you never wanted someone so badly that you were acting irrationally? I think that that's the plot Lord. of many a uh, coming of age tale or story or Literally, film. Right. That's, that's right. het. And, and they're they actually, yeah, it. they're like 99.9% het. Right. So now that it's not het, it's all of a sudden an impossible to notice impossible to see impossible to fathom remember that one time i watched you and i cursed your name because you gave me the impression that something decent and misandrous happened in there but i misunderstood what the fuck you said and i watched the whole fucking season and wanted to murder you oh yeah after that. that and there was other people coming in out like oh is it is it getting any better i'm like no terrence said terrence says she's gonna get revenge so terrence when we got to the last episode and there was no fucking revenge there was just toxic masculinity i was ready to fight you i really was that's why i hit you in the messages i was like terrence um, we have to speak. We have to talk because you said you had something for me in misandry. And you're like, oh no, I said I meant in season two that a girl tries to get revenge, but she doesn't. Right. And I'm I'm still mad, you guys, that I watched those episodes. I'm still I, mad. I too am but mad. I suffered through those episodes just for what I thought would be eventual misandry and revenge, just for that bitch to die. Spoiler, spoiler, sorry, spoilers. But that's exactly what happened. And I the rage that I still feel for dedicating my time to that is crazy. But what, what I, I think I brought that up to say that don't people romanticize that show? Don't have they women sure do. like and they, they talk a... about him being attractive and wanting to date him. And I, I just, where, where so, are these women's modicum of uh, where, right, rationale? Where's the rationale for wanting to date a killery stalker, horrible person? Well, he's got nice eyes. I love those cheekbones. Right. Okay. So we are on the same page there. Okay. Let's let's finish this article. Yes. This episode features finally an even Villanelle kiss. But why? 
Literally, really? it says, but ellipsis. Why? But why, Terrence? But why? We've only been waiting three years, Terrence. But why? Terrence, just, but why? But why? <laughs> now, I why, just... Why I, is this I, your take? Why is this how you... But you know what the irony is? Because I watch so many things, so many heterosexual, toxic things. And usually halfway through, 20% through, you're like, but why? But why? But here we have this question. Sexual tension built up three series. But why? Why did they kiss? Why? Because there was sexual tension. (laughs) You're making too much sense with your rationale. Right. So after but why? What is the reason that Eve's desire to make out with this woman who left her for dead is as strong as her desire to fight her? I'm sorry. I can't sit still. The the next question is, (laughs) what is the reason that Eve's desire to make out with this woman who left her for dead is as strong as her desire? to fight her sir would you like to (laughs) answer that question would you like to answer the question um because the next next paragraph is gonna fuck you up so someone left me per se for dead and i was not dead and i had the wherewithal or the strength to then address and be like so did you think that you could just come and say hi to me like everything's hunky dory you know how you left me. You didn't leave me all right. You left me but for that. But you, you also leave out the part that is someone that you were heavily crushing on. Right. Had multiple masturbation sessions on, even if they involved a knob, does not matter. And then this bitch, well, at least from Villanelle's perspective, has the nerve to roll up in a three-piece suit. Right. Just giving off huge BDE. She's like, my strap is beyond your comprehension. And that adds to Eve being like, you know what needs to happen? Me fucking you up in this moment Uh because this isn't, this can't be allowed. That's like seeing somebody in public that owe you, like, owe you a lot. More than money. More than what? Wait, seeing someone in public what? I was about to say that owe you more than money. Like, owe you, like, it's like... Oh, you made me think of that situation where my friend was, um, was uh, knocking that dude out who was like... (laughs) rude and so (laughs) he was rude so every time he saw him in the city several months after the fact it was like an on-site situation and he barely speaks any english so with his argentinian accent you don't fuck with my friends motherfucker and so yes it's one of those where sometimes it's just on site so you're just on the bus minding your business and all of a sudden you look up and you see you see someone who left you at the altar what is your reaction? What is your reaction? And they say hi to you. Like, everything is hunky Like, everything is chill. And then, what is with your that shitty grin, with right. that fucking smirk that Villanelle had, hi, Eve. You can't be expected to be calm. Yes, yeah, no out of the window. No propriety. No propriety to be found. Okay, so, so it continues. Killing Eve has never really dug into the attraction between these two women in a concrete way. What? Killing Eve has never really dug into the attraction between these two women in a concrete way. Killing Eve has oh, never what? dug into the attraction between these two women in a concrete, concrete, you concrete way. You have to way. half watch the show to feel like that. What is concrete? I'm just trying, what is concrete? Because I'm just trying to figure out how Villanelle fucking a woman with her role play, literally saying the line, I'm going to call you Eve. No, bitch, keep your clothes on because it's too nice and I don't want you to break my fantasy. They're going to be like, well, actually, it doesn't count as concrete because Eve Palastri didn't know that she was doing all okay, of that. Okay, fine, 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 <laughs> fine. If you want to say that, I will have to simply draw your attention to Eve with the artist. Cat-like well. features, 
It's just like, <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. I was looking at her lips and, um, remember fucking Bill and the dude were yes. like, bro, did we wow. tell you about her tits? <laughs> I'm just saying, Eve in multiple moments was talking about Villanelle's body, body and remembering stuff about it, which was just, is a, is a little too much to be considered het. And then of course we have the epic speech at the end of series one. I think about you all the time. Yes. I think about what you're doing, who you're doing it Do with, it. what you're wearing, your eyes, your mouth. Come on! But it wasn't concrete. It wasn't concrete. When she hopped on Nico's knob, it wasn't concrete. And when she hopped on Hugo's knob, it wasn't concrete either. For the buck sex? See, look. He literally said, thanks for the threesome, bitch. And she was like, anyway, get out and get me my coffee. coffee? Where's my coffee? Uh, I'm sure they would be like, well, you know, I can't even do the rebuttal here because the rebuttal's making me mad. My blood is boiling thinking about this. What's the rebuttal now when you hear it? Lord. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to say that it does not count as concrete where are we we just did the knob hopping the knob hopping and before that we did but we also uh, had bu- well yeah we had knob artist. hopping just we knob have... hopping we had bug sex and technically we had eve on her knees right because that entire jaunt was owed to villanelle like nico would not have gotten that sex session that he definitely wasn't even yeah. that into right had villanelle been like you might want to try to hem your hem your bitch up a little bit and see how she responds <laughs> and eve responded very favorably I'm still traumatized by it. Lord. Oh, is it that time of the AM? It's not because I don't know where it went, but I know I had it and I know it was making me so mad. It's going to come back. It's, it's, it'll pop up. I know. Well, after the fact, well, it'll pop up, but it's not If here it now. comes back to you, but fair. maybe they just need to be able to see it in the lens of you exchange numbers with a woman in a club. But was that concrete that there was an attraction or did she just want you out of her face? But at the same time, <laughs> I feel like this is like, especially when you're dealing with, um, just writers like you miss the nuance of a queer relationship right and for any woman who's been in a queer relationship with another woman or an attraction stage knows that that shit with another woman could be drawn the fuck out it could be extra as fuck and a lot of it can depend on the vibe like i don't want to i don't want to stereotype because obviously people do not all fit into boxes and labels i'm just gonna say it's different the way sometimes women get onto their things because you have to deal with like realities of the patriarchy and that we've talked about this on gentleman jack crack that's a lot of women are not outwardly aggressive because of how the patriarchy codes women and oh you wait for this or someone's supposed to approach you and and this is how it's supposed to be and so the aggressive nature of pursuing what you want of being aggressive and forthcoming about what you want let alone sexually to another woman is sometimes really different for people whose personalities naturally don't have that fucking kind of jaunt. And so realistically, for whatever this person feels is overt sexual intent that isn't any more overt than what we've seen again with those door O's, the deep breathing, the knob hopping. I just don't know how it's not overt. But at the same time, my argument is, is that it's always going to express itself differently with women than what the patriarchy usually shows. Even if you deal with queer men, grinder isn't a thing that really exists for women in the same way that men do. Like, it's just not. We know this. That men can go to bathhouses and a lot of interesting things can happen there. Oh, It's yes. much harder to find a bathhouse where women are having a Caligula moment right, <laughs> of their right. own. And so I just feel like this, like this estimation of Killing Eve has never really dug into the attraction between these two women. When a lot of times the attraction between two women is expressed through your eyes, through your behavior, through your indirect, direct flirting that isn't masculine. In any sense of the word, generally. It's hard to have someone try to qualify what they believe a relationship should look like between two people between two who women. they've never seen operate in a relationship. 
from any kind of perspective. But so. at the same time, we don't have enough stuff. Like we don't, we no. can think of every shade of toxicity and non-toxic stuff that can exist within a relationship. There's a het piece of media to represent that. Yes. For, for queer characters, it doesn't exist. So for how people can come to these fucking conclusions, same with the queer baiting, how they can come to these conclusions when there's literally not enough stuff for you to draw these terms, especially if you yourself aren't queer, it's wild to me. So the article finishes up saying that Eve has been portrayed as wanting the freedom Villanelle possesses as much as she wants Villanelle herself, and the lines between sexual tension, jealousy, and rage between them are often paper thin. In Meetings Have Biscuits, however, subtext is finally made textual, but it's somehow not as satisfying as it should be. So let's talk about Somebody subtext. check our video online. Someone check our video online and see how satisfying that last episode was. Holy shit. Well, why would they think this whole time it was subtext? Uh, I this is what we said. Are the straights okay? I don't... Th this show clearly isn't for everyone. It's like when we argued with the incels online who were like, who is Vela now? And it's like, well, clearly she's not for you because I don't know who your dude is that you're advocating for right. and you don't know who my character is. So, okay, great. I just... You can't call what was going on between Villanelle and Eve Palastri subtext. Um, you Isn't that what people called it last season? Though? I mean, just to be fair, that's why we had to deal with all those queer baiting articles because they still maintained it with subtext. We maintained that you can't have door O's, that you can't be this outwardly. You can't say you want to fuck a bitch that has the name of the bitch you're interested in. And it's subtext. It's text because it's literally it's. Right. You could read it. You could hear it. And it's actual sexual text started by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Like, can you give me two characters who are on opposite sides of a door that don't exchange words that essentially experience what looks like pleasure? Like, oh, it was, outright it was pleasure. pleasure on you both saw Villanelle's sides. face? She's like, oh my God. <laughs> That's why Villanelle's always fucked up and crying around this bitch because she has never had. She's literally like, we have never shared a touching in-person O and yet these O's have surpassed right. my previous O's. Poor Villanelle. Listen to y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So, yeah, I obviously we disagree with the, but it's somehow not as satisfying as it should be. To you! And again, I have to assume this person is not queer because how is it not? What? How do you? What? If you'd been waiting three years, it's not, it's not, sad, it's not, okay. All right. Okay. Then what were they waiting for? What are they waiting for? What is, what is Something they recognize from Pornhub. I just... What other answer is there? Because apparently that's where we usually are with queer content, especially when it comes with women. It's either for male consumption or for no consumption. And so if, it's, if it doesn't pass the muster of this is what men consider to be salacious or sensual or sexy or whatever, then it's not. Then it's oh, subtext. Then it's not entertainment. Right. Oh, then well, it, or it's subtext. It's subtext. <laughs> it's subtext. So that is, that's, that's quite a limiting view of uh, to be able to... Uh, uh, enjoy this medium and I'm and I'm sorry mm, mm -hmm. I'm sorry that that's your takeaway and experience from the show and I don't know if that means that you'll continue to go all the way to the end of episode 8 we, I don't know um, is there a show for you at this point I don't know Did they... oh yeah let me uh, let me finish this up because it you say you're like can they can they still say more annoying stuff and it's like yeah they can right so satisfying as it should be why because we have almost no idea what Eve's POV at this point in the story is strongly disagree strongly disagree there I too disagree we know she's devastated over Kenny's death she's clearly still struggling with the physical after effects of the gunshot wound that nearly killed her she's in hiding in a crappy apartment drinking too much alone and she's thinking about Villanelle all the time, apparently. That should have been apparent from last <laughs> season. And it continues. And that's kind of it. The why of these facts remains completely 
unexplored. Oh, it's, so it, 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 are you I quick it. it's to when you, it's, some... when you, it's when you minus the gay. When you right. minus the gay, that's why it's unexplored. That's why you don't get it. That's why you can't see what's happening. That it's completely unexplored, even though it's been explored. We have no idea how Eve feels about everything that happened in Rome, including that time she murdered a guy to save Villanelle. <laughs> and we don't know whether or how her emotions toward the assassin have shifted in the months since that fateful trip. Heck, we're not even 100% sure what her emotions toward Villanelle even are. <sighs> the problem is that it feels more than ever as though killing Eve doesn't have a ton of interest in telling us. Instead, Eve is increasingly treated as an afterthought within her own story. We watch her react to things, sometimes, but we see almost none of her perspective on how her life has ended up the disaster it currently is. The thing is, Villanelle is such an intriguing character, and Jodie Comer's performance is so compelling that most of us will keep watching Killing Eve just to see what's next for her. So, wait a Sorry, but you already know. I'm just trying to end this because I want to move past this revelation. So I will just finish the article and then you can scream. The show isn't afraid of giving her complex and messy material that stretches our understanding of who this character is and what we see her and what we see in her as viewers. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to have the same level of interest in Eve, which makes it easier for us as the folks watching the show to tune her part of the story out. How can you watch Killing Eve and tune out Eve and then complain that you feel that there's no story for her and that she's not working through anything or that she has something to pay attention to when you're actively tuning her out? Listen, let let me just let me just end this paragraph and this horrific article revelation. The article writer finishes, I have to confess, I'm not particularly interested in her new bitter pill crime-solving team, no matter how great Danny Sapani was on Harlots. Here's hoping season three figures out a way to make Eve a little more central to the show that bears her name, because otherwise, where can this season possibly go? Besides further down the rabbit hole of all things Villanelle, nature abhors a vacuum, as they say, and Villanelle's character will naturally expand to fit any and all available space. But this was supposed to be a show about two women, not just one. So... Now you can rage. Now you can scream. It's over. It's done. That is, that's, it's done. I'll double down and just, I'm curious. How do you actively choose to admittedly filter out a majority of the actions and processes of one thespian over another and then wonder why you're only receiving half the story and why it feels incomplete and why you feel that people are not central to the story. If you can see Dark Eve rising, then I don't know what it is you see for Killing Eve. And this actually gives me, it gives me a rejuvenated feeling about what's going to happen in series three. Because you know, you guys know I was concerned about what could be happening with Eve's storyline or potentially her having to play second fiddle or just like a backseat to them trying to develop Villanelle because of what all these article writers have been saying. But what it seems to be, now that we are three episodes in, that these article writers, their interpretation of what is backseat to Eve maybe means, does she have no male love interest that we can see? Is she <laughs> is she not trying to make it work with Nico? Is she not rejecting Villanelle? And they don't understand what's happening with the queer development. So they say there is no development with Eve. They just say that she is being ignored. When I'm just like, how? When we've actually gotten a ridiculous amount of development with Eve. We I've sure been did. screaming from week to week about how I've wanted Dark Eve Rising, how I wanted Petulant Messy Eve. Eve, and we are getting that in spades. Eve that is standing in her truth. Eve that understands her power. Eve that knows how to say no. Eve that is not easily manipulated or conjoled so she can't even get into the same situation she was with Villanelle again because she literally won't allow it. She will need to be more actively involved in whatever it is they do. So how is this not growth? How is this not growth? Villanelle literally losing all the color and zhuzh in her life directly connected to Eve. How is this not growth in understanding the characterization of Villanelle and where they're trying to take her? And I just want to also address the time jumps. They're just time jumps and they're just in the story they are happening and you know what 
there are pieces that we don't get from all of the characters. So for you to say, oh, but we don't understand Eve's journey means that you weren't spoon fed every single detail of how she was rescued or how she maintained a low profile. Just because you're not getting those those little nuggets doesn't mean that you're not getting a journey or a story from Eve in her scenes. But as we said, if you can't see the queer, you cannot see the queer. Isn't that what it must come down to? I mean, I don't know what else to describe it. From the first piece of media that existed about killing Eve in series one. I don't even know. That's when I told you. I told you immediately. And like when I called all my friends to be like, Sandra O's doing a thing. Look at this trailer. And from the y'all, I know y'all remember that glorious, glorious first series one trailer we had. But I got issues. (laughs) <laughs> and one is how much I need you. And so literally, we see Villanelle, we see Eve, we see multiple moments that we don't know what it's all going to mean. We just know it's going to matter. We hear the Eve monologue. I think about you all the time. I think about what you're wearing. And we were thinking then, when is, when is, when is, when is this? <laughs> when does this show up? So in my mind, the queer was obvious and it was impossible to miss from series one. Remember that article we read way back when with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, where she was laughing about how some people didn't understand it was queer until episode five? <laughs> When, when Villanelle has her knife in a bitch's chest and some people were like, oh my God, that looks kind of, is that sexual tension? It looks gay. <laughs> Meanwhile, the queer fandom was screaming. We were on fucking fire from episode five of series one, which is of course one of the primary scenes that was the chemistry reading for Sandra Oh and Jodie Comer. So I just, I, I, I have to default back to inability to see queer because it's been there the entire time. If that wasn't the case, all of us fans who identify as such wouldn't be so head over heels for the show. We're all collectively delusional is what we are. Oh, yes, that's it. It's the queer delusions. You we, got it. We had the clown makeup on before there was even clownery. Yes, that's the answer. You have figured it out. And so. So that was it. And it was a revelation that wasn't really a revelation, but allowed me to delve into this article a little bit and hopefully alleviate some of the stress for some of you listeners who have written in that are really concerned about Eve Palastri's storyline or what they're doing with Sandra O oh, or what potentially they're not doing with Sandra O. Oh. Look at what they're saying, you guys. If these are the reasons why they think Eve is not getting development. Holy fuck! Series three is gonna be nothing but goddamn amazing. Because, oh my god. And that's it. That's it! I will try to get myself under control for the rest of this snack, but that's all I want to say is that, um, Someone please check on the Hets who watch Killing Eve because a whole bunch of them seem to be confused and confuzzled. And I think it's our duty to flood wherever we can be, whether it's Twitter, Tumblr, Insta, whatever the fuck you are, your preferred platform, and let Killing Eve know that these ideas are not actually the lasting ideas for people who love the show and support the show. That it's some random motherfucking reviewer who actually doesn't get anything at all. Right. From what I've seen from you guys and people I know, oh my God. Episode three was everything. And so yes. to see a C, a B minus, and all these other grades that are similar across the internet is just pissing me off. But then when I look at the names and the descriptions of what they're saying, I'm less surprised. Right. It was almost like when, surprised. The, when all the critics were giving ne- the negative reviews, and it was like, oh, wait, they're all male. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were like 90% too. <laughs> and like, yes, oh, we are misandrist hmm. here, but you know. Okay, and my final revelation comes from Hollywood Reporter, which is a brief interview that Suzanne Heathcote... Oh, the exit interview for Meetings for, Have Biscuits. Right. That was a great article. Uh, let's see where she begins. Mm, what does power smell like? Uh, ask, Kill- <laughs> Sorry. ask Killing Eve Sorry. leads 
uh, Jody Comer and Sandra Oh, you'll get two very different answers. Uh, for Villanelle, the answer is oddly specific. Power smells like a Roman centurion who is coming across an old foe who in battle once hurt him greatly, but since then has become emperor and is now powerful beyond measure. Uh, for Eve, it's a bit more nebulous. Uh, but she at least has inhaled a big whiff of Villanelle's definition by the end of me. Oh, she Test has. Biscuit. She definitely has. <laughs> uh, let's see. Villanelle's first big moments of contact come in the respective year's fifth episodes. More or less. Wait. Yeah, that's true, I guess. In both previous seasons of Killing Eve, even Villanelle's first big moments of contact come in the respective year's fifth episodes. Uh, for season three, the violent reunion comes two hours earlier than expected. Smack dab in the middle of meetings have biscuits as they collide on a bus ride in the middle of London. It's hardly a coincidental encounter, of course, as Villanelle is in town on business. A business that directly involves Eve's business, in fact. Directly. <laughs> directly. But it's one that sideswipes Eve all the same, leading, leading to the two women brawling in public. Um, I really wanted them to be sooner in the season, the showrunner uh, tells Hollywood Reporter. Suzanne! And Suzanne, we trust. Uh, it needs to catch us unawares in the same way it catches Eve unawares. It's not something we expect at that moment. Uh, when she first thought about the circumstances behind the reunion, Heathcote immediately saw it in her head. I don't know why I saw it on a bus, but for some reason I did. It's so complex of uh, what they feel towards each other. There's so much anger, mm. both from Eve, how she feels out of control, all of the things she's done now in her life because of Villanelle. Then there's Villanelle not being in control of that relationship. Eve surviving somehow and defying her. When Villanelle shot Eve at the end of season two, I believe she's shooting her because she's been rejected, mm -hmm. but she doesn't really want Eve dead. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. It's a conflicting action to Villanelle as well. I just felt you can't put all of it in dialogue. It's <sighs> too big. The way they feel towards each other, it's too visceral. Yes, yes. They both have gut-wrenching feelings towards each other. Violence. Yes. Attraction. Yes. The draw they have to each other. Oh, yes. It felt very natural to me that it would be an almost entirely nonverbal exchange. If I could just pause you, sir, and just say, Suzanne! Suzanne, I am so pleased to see she that you get it. Right. You get it. You get it. That's, that's really it. She gets it. She sees the light. She sees it. Okay, please continue. As the actors at the center of the fight, Comer and O both brought their own perspectives to the reunion. According to O, when I first read it, I thought it made complete emotional sense to me. There's a lot of uncontrolled reactivity that Eve has around Villanelle. And you see it coming out of full force. Oh, yeah, we do. You see her fury. You see her passion. You see how she's even angry at herself for not being able to be in control. It's a confirmation they are still connected. Mm -hmm. And yes. Sealed so with connected. a headbutt. <laughs> so connected. Sealed with a headbutt. Yes, I was there. We were there. We were all there. I was trying to think what it would be like if you thought someone was dead. Then you found out that they're not. And it opens up this huge realm of possibility, says Comer. I could only imagine the kinds of things that went through her head when she thought it was done with Eve. But it actually isn't done. Oh, lots of things. <laughs> lots of scenarios. I think there's a huge sense of curiosity. I'm wanting to know how she's living her life and getting on after what happened. 
I think she knows it's going to fuck Eve up popping up like that. Yes. <laughs> oh, Jody, I'm so glad you know. It's been a while. How you fucking a bitch up. It's been a while. Uh, or, um, what's that that gift from American Horror Story? What was it season four or three? I was four? about to say surprise. Surprise, bitch. bitch. I bet you thought you'd seen the last of me and my big dick energy. But guess what, ho? I'm here with my three piece suit. Let's get it on. Uh, for Villanelle, it's a great win. Okay, yes, wait a minute. I just, this quote from Sandra O oh is so fucking perfect because it's literally what we said, what we thought, what we felt was that Eve took that L. She took right. that L because right. she exposed her feelings. She exposed her desire. She exposed all of that, that she would rather just be sitting there quiet, controlled. But she she did not. And I just, I love, I love the way Sandra O oh puts this. For Villanelle, it's a great win, adds O. Oh. For Eve, it's a great loss. It's a great loss. <laughs> she wants to be in control. She wants to have control over her reactivity and her emotions. And she lets her cards show. She, she, she can't, can't help, it. help it. She can't help it. She can't help it. The girl can't help it. She can't help <laughs> oh, it. Babe. The girl can't help it. Okay. <laughs> she got Sappho and Lilith tumbling. are living and breathing through Eve Pilastri. Sorry. Let's <laughs> no, go on. One way Eve gains control over the situation, if only temporarily, is when she kisses Villanelle in the middle of the fight. Executive producer Sally Woodward Gentle sees the kiss from two different vantage points, as she tells uh, The Hollywood Reporter. I think the kiss is potentially a form of defense. It buys us some time with Villanelle, who could literally throttle her at that moment. We also had this notion that if Villanelle's face got that close to yours, it would be hard to resist. Now, Girl, can I- we, uh, <laughs> it would be very hard to resist for most humans. But I just sort of want to point out the kiss as defense. Because I, I like what they're saying, now, that it's twofold. That Eve couldn't help herself, but also to throw Villanelle off her game. Because for me, in my, my current headcanon, what I would prefer is what I said to you before. Is that what I wanted from part of the jaunt coming from Eve was to be a realization of everything Villanelle said. And did in the ruins. That that bitch was sprung, she was ready to go, and she was willing to do whatever. And so to stand in your truth as Eve Pilastri is to know you can destroy a bitch petticoat with a single look, right. with a single shake of your hair. You get a bitch fucked up that she needs to stand in that and she will send Villanelle running and crying every single time. I just hope that one of these times she stays in the boudoir and it develops okay. further. Right. Hashtag Villanelle hate sex. But yeah, that's, I just, yeah. I mean, the kiss, if you want to think of it as uh, defensive or offensive, I mean, it just Both. depends. Right, right. right. And it's like complicated like you that. You lock the lips, there go the braids. But then there go your petticoats. So you thought you would you were tactical. You thought that you could have mentally like held it together, but then you lose it and you're stuck down there. I think that's part of why Eve did the Hepa because she was like, wait a minute. I, <laughs> see, I was trying to distract a hoe, but why am I why am I why, am I, why right. are my petticoats doing this? Fuck right. you, villain now. I'm so sick of you. Always looking so damn good and shit. Fuck you. <laughs> Love. Oh, and actually, that's what I love so much, too, about how Sandra O oh plays the scene. I mean, I've gone on and on about Sandra O's oh microacting and how good she is at it. But it's another example in this kissing scene because you see her anger. You see her fury. You see the literal Sappho passion pop up. Then you see her being upset at herself like, bitch, what did you just do? Did you just kiss this hoe? Oh, no, we got to we got to uh, we can't um, we can't leave on this L. We got to leave with a partial win, which comes to headbutt because Eve has never done a headbutt before and doesn't know how to do it. She fucked herself up, too, in the process. Oh, yeah. And in front of everybody on the bus. <laughs> For the people who think that folks just watching altercations on the bus and not doing anything is unrealistic, we said last episode, it happens all the time in New York City. It definitely does. You literally, remember that one viral video we saw where that woman got, she got 
physically dragged oh, on the bus yeah. because she was saying rude things yes. and then thrown out the bus. Yes. And the bus driver was like, bye, I'll see ya. And the video made it, to, made it to Twitter. No problem. So that's accurate. That's actually accurate that people will mind their fucking business usually before they help somebody. I like that this uh, article from Sally and Suzanne and Jody and Sandra that um, it basically detailed why so many things had to be not dialogue and it made perfect sense because everybody was in on the vision well that's what she was saying yeah she was like <laughs> i knew they had to confront each other and see each other but there's so much going on here that the best way to express this is not through a dissertation script that can all be shown in the 42 minutes but to do it in the physical sense and to me that's where just like those things you can do in a narrative that are cool like when i joke about the xena musical episode where there's just some things that are so big and complicated and messy that the easiest way to fix it is just do this other type of interaction. Yes. And this is this is how it was, where they obviously did not fix it, but they fixed, they addressed the first meeting. That now an actual conversation with maybe a degree of calmness or chill can be had because they got the initial burst out. And Villanelle's question of, does she still care about me? Does she maybe even perhaps love me? Is answered because it she sees it. Answered. And Eva's like, am I still pressed for the, oh, oh I am. Oh, I'm, you are. I'm, I'm, I'm still pressed. Is this bitch still interested in me? Oh, she is. Because look at her. Look at this smirk. Man, shit. And this is why she's on her way to Poland now. I, I'm i back to wondering, like, is Villanelle going to Poland? Like, what the fuck? Will she get there before Dasha? Ooh. Oof. Oof. Because of you, this happened. <laughs> Don't you start that Xena musical. Don't you do it. Because uh, of you, my child said his blood is on your hands. You did. Fuck you. Lord. Keep it. Keep. No, I see you grabbing the mic. I will not be singing anymore, Xena. Not today. You're a fucking bitch. No, it's yours. How, How could you? you? Fuck you. I'm done. I'm done Lord. with this. So was that the end of that article? Oh, yes. That does wrap up the Hollywood Reporter's <laughs> article. Thanks. All right. Let me see what fucking revelations I have left here. Oh, I just have some like some like short things before I guess we get to the scenes because we covered everything else outside of the stink peaks that we have. Ooh. Yeah. So just simple no things I noticed after the fact like that I don't believe I mentioned in our original recap. One was that Eve's jacket was hella ripped when she got <laughs> to the bitter pill, the slave that Villanelle was gripping up on. And I just said, oh, that must mean that Villanelle's grip is legendary. And that means nothing but good things for the boudoir. That's it. <laughs> I know. But I mean, there was all over <laughs> Nothing but good things. Now her her emperor energy. So may she use it for autoerotic asphyxiation in the best ways. (laughs) May she. May she. Okay. And another revelation I had was that um, the teddy bear was on Villanelle's side of the bed. As we have talked and joked about how Eve and Villanelle have their sides of the bed. It just so happens to be complementary to each other. And Villanelle as far as I could tell, seemed to leave the teddy bear on the side of the bed that she prefers to lay in, making it even more cheeky for her to be like, admitted Eve, <laughs> you wish I was here. Spooning you. Big spoon, little spoon. And I would agree. I just had the flash of her saying hello again as she enters the house that she knows she lives in alone. Like it was just so, if the scent was there, if the scent was on the bear, then that's definitely Eve feeling like whatever familiarity was just with her because it's been months really without Nico. It's not like she took something home that smelled of Nico. And why would she want anything that smelled of Nico? Why? She's trying to figure herself out. (laughs) Sir, no. She's trying to find her way. No. I feel like if Nico was doing anything for the sense, we would have heard about it in series Mm -hmm. one. And we were pretty certain that she was smelling the air when she came back into her apartment in the final scene, which would make sense having a 
a keen nose. And scents have been such a common theme or a consistent theme throughout all three series that I'm not surprised that it's being utilized once again to tether our two murder ladies. So are we about to can transition up? to the sneak peeks. I got you. Which um, clip is this? That's the cake. All right. So this first sneak peek we have up is with Eve Pilastri at the Bitter Pill with all the agents of the 12. Because we think that their plans, especially Dread, which I'm happy to see that some of you guys are getting on board with the Dread as a plant. I'm sure Terrence is very pleased since he thinks everyone at the Bitter Pill is a plant, except mm. for Jamie, except which for is Jamie. weird, which is weird. But, okay, so let's play this clip really quickly where Eve gets a present from Villanelle, and it's a fucking cake. So she just signed some shit that Red gave her. Yeah. Or Dread. Cake systems. Look at how Eve is holding her hair back. She's so pleased. But how do you, like, she has to know this cake is from Villanelle because who else is giving you shit, Eve? Hey, guys, it's Eve's birthday. Happy birthday. Eve is like, no, excuse me. Excuse me. To share the cake. <laughs> but not everyone has to share their cake, Red. So what's interesting about this scene is that Eve seems to be like trepidatious about the cake and opening it up and seeing what's in there. Like it could be a bomb or something dangerous. And then she opens it and it's a double decker bus. Right. It's definitely not a bomb. It's her symbol of their kiss, their first kiss. I feel like her closing her eyes right now is her reliving that shit. Yep. And she's yeah. like, fuck my petticoats, which is why she about to pick up the cake and throw it off the roof and then regret it. Oh, no. Oh, yep. Oh. Is this not quintessential <laughs> Eve Pilastri? I'm about to do something. I'm about to break something right, right. after I do it. I'm like, right. no, wait, I actually want to taste the icing that you made. It's I like, girl, your girlfriend gave you that cake. How dare you? So rude. So rude. And I'm sure that the scene with Jamie follows her to this yep. room because Jamie can't leave her alone. He's got to stalk her ass like he's been doing since the fucking funeral. So that was our first sneak peek that we had available. The second sneak peek is Villanelle and Constantine in a cable car in Spain. And well, there's one fact in particular that really makes me happy and excites me for the next episode. Uh, let's play it really quick. Be a really bad way to go. Stop it. Villanelle jumping on this cable car. Constantine looks stressed. Are you upset because soon I'm going to be your boss? <laughs> you won't be my boss. Don't worry, you'll be my favorite. All the other employees will hate you. <laughs> oh, look how happy what and giddy she is. It's Eve's birthday today. I can't deal but with you. But you shot her and ruined her marriage. Isn't that enough? The mustache is gone. Yo, the way she says that, the mustache is gone. Okay, why does Constantine hear anything about where Nico is, I though? Like, why does he know what Nico's up to? Your family. Come that family shit back around. Okay, so this is of interest to me because Villanelle hiccups, and the only other time we know of a hiccup in a trailer is when she is in the garden with that other woman, which appears to be this upcoming episode. Something personal. Off the record. I really hate it when you do that. And she's like, that's why we'll continue to keep doing it, Constantine. So I don't know what you think about the hiccup, but I think that the writers are going to make this hiccup thing something that is recurring in her family, perhaps genetically or situationally. 
I don't know, but I, it can't be a coincidence that Villanelle hiccups the minute Constantine gives her that picture. And it seems like it's a singular hiccup. And then there's a hiccup situation in the upcoming episode with that strange woman who was screaming in the garden. We thought that she was potentially a mark for Villanelle, like a person she had to kill. But maybe, maybe it's someone she's related to. Now I'm not so sure. Mm, I was wondering if it had to do with some kind of random, uh, I don't want to say nervous energy, but more of that. You know how like some people have like a panic attack, but I'm wondering if it's. I wouldn't ascribe panic attacks to Villanelle, which is why I can't agree there because Villanelle doesn't get afraid as far as we're aware, unless it specifically relates to Eve. So I've not seen it. I've not seen fear. The closest thing I would see to fear would be a type of apprehension that she felt with Anna, but that's sort of it. And so I, I'm not of the thought that, you know, she would have a panic attack. She's trying to find information from Constantine about her family. She's trying to piece shit together that I guess she has gaps and missing information. So I don't know that that's fear or apprehension from her. She doesn't seem to be apprehensive at all. The only time we potentially see it is when she has to confront an ex who wants to take her down. And she's like, oh, I don't, I'm not ready, Constantine. I'm not ready, Dasha, to go back to London. I'm just not ready. Because remember when Constantine told that bitch to go back to Russia? Oh, I need you to go to Russia. You got to finish off Nadia and do stuff. And she was like, Russia? Um, like where my ex is? <laughs> no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that, Constantine. I don't want to do that. I'm not ready. So, any final thoughts on this clip before we move on? I, I think that I, I'll need to see more of it in perspective because I feel like that's going to be somewhere in the opening legs of the episode, but not near the beginning. Like maybe one commercial break in, and just to see what action uh, Villanelle will be taking before she gets there, and if hiccups are there as well. Because I don't think that they're starting here. I think they're just noticeable here. So I need to see where they Well, begin. it was a singular hiccup. So I wouldn't say it was a start or end. It was just a hiccup. Like a burp. It was a one-off. So it is possible that her hiccups could be spaced apart by a minute and a half. And we did not get that long. So she would have hiccuped again. Like some people do have hiccups. But I just feel like because everything is intentional in a script, you literally have to write it down for it to happen that the hiccup thing will come back for some reason or another as it relates specifically to Villanelle and her family members, which is why I'm locking it in now because I noticed it and I'm just convinced at this time that it is purposeful. That could explain the random screaming that we get in the garden. All right, so here's the final sneak peek, which no one really cares about, but we'll do it because (laughs) it's relevant to the show. And that is the first two minutes, I guess, that involve Nico in Poland trying to get his life back together. And potentially he dies this episode, but... We don't know. We'll find out soon enough. But here is the clip. Look at this motherfucker with his um, selfies. Hush. Hush. That must be Polish for hello. Yo, why they got Nico Uh in big letters like that, man? And look at this truck. Now, what kind of a gas guzzler thing do you think this is? Horrible for the environment. Ooh, I like this song. Oh, he's just looking at the Polish lands like, ah, it's good to be home. Hush. Wait, no one looks at me like I'm a murderer or a cannibal. 
It's like Cheers, where everybody knows yep. your name. And always glad you came. Like this lady. <laughs> I'm mad. She's like, look at you with your big new job delivering bread and stuff. He says it's only temporary, but it'll keep him out of trouble. And she's like, temporary, baby. I always knew you'd make it home. Is that his auntie? Oh, now Nico is in the bar. So these are all the scenes that we seen. This is what Another we saw. Drink. And she's like, sure. He has a type. Like Villanelle, he's like right. curly, dark-haired women. Right. Please, Nico, sleep with somebody else. Fuck this bitch. Take her home, Nico. Take her home! And then text the photo to Eve and say, don't ever text me again. It's over. Dasha. Because that oh, that image we saw. Oh, what are these text messages? That's Eve. Oh, that's Eve. Eve! Stop texting. Do we think that was her on the bus? Or is just her in this time I think jump? that was her on the bus. So I know that we get a screen cap from this scene because a number of listeners have sent it to us. Thank you. But Dasha is there. Dasha is in that bar. Dasha is looking at Nico. And I feel like whatever wonderful misandrist Dasha has in mind for Nico is not good for him or his knob. Okay. <laughs> and oh, I'm here see, for it. Do you think Nasha's, Dasha's want to go for the knob? Because I feel like... I, I'm saying nothing on his person is safe, including his knob. I don't know that Dasha cares enough to go for oh, the knob. Yeah, she could. Yeah. She could. She seemed like she didn't have any time for men in the 70s. So why should it be any different now? As we learned, that man that she killed was her own man. It was her man. It was her boyfriend. And she was like, enough is enough. I'm murdering you. So I don't think Dasha has time for men, which is why I love Dasha. Even though she's probably fucking over Villain now and lying to her about many things. That is a possibility. So I love her until I don't love her. But right now I love her. Which is great because, again, I wasn't sure in the first half in terms of when we first saw Dasha if I was going to love her the way I do now. So that wraps it up for the clips? That does wrap it up for the clips. And I guess the last revelation essentially being, you know, that photo of Eve. Jamie. That a number of listeners have sent in. Like, what do you think about this? Is Eve going to hop on this knob? And might as well cover this since it's partly amuse. Do you think Eve will hop on Jamie's knob? Do you think this photo is indicative of had nonsense and her substituting another knob for her sexual feelings or villanelle or will eve display some growth and just have a conversation with this man and not need to use him for sexual proxy will they just be friendly until he dies no <laughs> <laughs> i vote for friendly until he dies I, yeah i don't i don't see be hopeful sexual energy just because there's a man and a woman in the still like it's that's not something that my gaze well, that's what, will naturally that's make what me people do. do it's the avril lavigne energy he was a boy, she was a girl, can I make it any more obvious? I just want to say, I just want to say, why does it only take one frame of Eve sitting on the ground, drinking beers with a man that is still at least three feet away from her, for the het writers to say, oh my God, is this her next love interest? But for Villanelle, for Villanelle, who literally, they have had such intense interactions, and people are like, but is it gay? <laughs> but is it what does Eve see in her actually? What does she want from her actually? It's I'm just like, saying it didn't take much for people to start shipping Jamie and Eve off one photo. And we have all this content with Eve and Villanelle and people still confused. That's all. Just saying. So you're going with no? Yeah, I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna need a lot more than a still to 
I'm in denial about all knob hopping until it actually is in my face, like even her knees. So I'm going to agree with you and say no and hope that she just uses Jamie as a foil for growth, which is to say I will not be jumping on this knob in some self-deprecating way. And also maybe I will use you to further express and step into my truth because we know Eve is going to admit to somebody that she is attracted to Villanelle. I think at this point it's either Nico when she goes to see him in Poland or potentially Jamie in this situation where they were drinking in a little cash. Because if we look back to how she spoke to Hugo about Villanelle, they were out there being cash. Eve was feeling frisky and smoking her cigarettes. So that could be a way for Eve to just sort of feel like looser to be honest about her actual desire and intentions like she was with Hugo at the takeaway in series two. Well, good luck to all parties involved. And I guess if you're going to root the for fuck? something... Good luck to all parties Boo. involved. Good luck to Eve Pilastri and Eve only. I don't know what the fuck Terrence is talking about. No good luck to Jamie. I got no good luck for oh, Jamie. Yeah. I have nothing. So why you said you said good luck to all parties involved? No. Good luck to Eve only for Candace and her getting her O. I cannot agree with Terrence about giving luck to Jamie. There's no luck I wish to give to him. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Zero luck. Yes, that's been the energy since what episode two, with him being all machismo and things to throw, I guess, Eve. Not really, but she was in a sense thrown for a loop because he kept trying to inject himself in his importance. And she's like, yeah, but whatever. I don't, I'm not here for you. And so that's been there tete-a-tete. So, and then oh, to you watch mean from them, the funeral? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then to watch Jamie do the same with Carolyn to where Eve's like, wait, all right, let me just be the adult and deal with one of you since I can't deal with both of you at the same time. And so she threw herself in with the likes of those she would really rather not speak to but it was in the name of progress so if i can if she can have modicum for that then whatever this Addie's situation is with alcohol i mean i still don't read it as sexual but again some heads default to sexual just because two people of opposite or opposing genders are in a scene it never seems to work out that way for same-gendered persons. There seems to need to be a lot of actual text, a lot of actual words spoken for people to think that, but it's not the reverse. So I just say, let's keep that same energy everywhere, just everywhere until right. there's stuff. Let's not assume she's going to hop on a knob. And I would like to think, especially with the trajectory Suzanne has been giving us, that she is interested in growing Eve as well as Villanelle. And from what we've seen so far, she is. And so this can be another way to show us Eve growth because Lord knows she has hopped on a knob for convenience and proxy both series. And we have been trying. We have made jokes in the fandom. We don't think Eve even knows how to masturbate at yeah. this point. So we need her. We need her to graduate to... Do not put knobs in for proxy, standing your truth about what you feel for Villanelle and go over there to your boudoir. Okay, that's it. Or find another bitch, another woman right. to do stuff with. Crops. Well, we again, we don't know about oh, oh, her yeah. intelligence there, but she could oh, at yeah. least find another bitch to top her in the meantime till she's ready to top Villanelle. It's like training wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an MTV reality show. 